Hello friends, today we're going to be going over Psalms chapter 1. I've been wanting to get into Psalms for quite some time, so I'm super excited. Before we get into this word, let us go ahead and pray over the word that we will receive today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the people in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you pour down in our lives. We pray for the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to really grasp the word that we're about to receive, to be able to put it to work into our own lives, and to be able to share this with whoever needs to hear it. Help us, Lord, to bear the fruits of your spirit in all that we do, and help us to be a beacon of light for your love, kindness, grace, and mercy. Holy Spirit, be breathed into us today and give us your discernment in all things. Allow us to walk in your guidance in each and every step and help us to understand the truth behind the message that we will receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Psalms, book one, consists of Psalms 1 through 41. So this first section is called Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So that is the end of chapter 1. And it seems to be a little bit self-explainable. So I'm just going to read the commentary on EnduringWord.com. I'll put the link to the article. So in verse 1 we see, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man. The Hebrew word esher is here translated blessed, which has the idea of happiness or contentment. Esher is a form of the Hebrew word asher, which in its root means to be straight or to be right. Blessed is the man speaks of the happiness the blessedness, the contentment in the life of the man or woman who is right or straight with God. The righteous man will be a blessed man, a happy man. Blessed means supremely happy or fulfilled. In fact, in Hebrew, the word is actually a plural, which denotes either a multiplicity of blessings or an intensification of them. It is not blessed is the king, blessed is the scholar, blessed is the rich, but blessed is the man. This blessedness is attainable by the poor, the forgotten, and the obscure, as by those whose names figure in history and are trumpeted by fame. The next section walks not, nor stands, nor sits. The blessed man does not do certain things. There is a way he will not walk a path he will not stand in, and a seat he will not sit in. We can say these speaking of thinking, behaving, and belonging, 
The righteous man and the ungodly man are different in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong. Others have also seen this in a progression of sin. The great lesson to be learned from the whole is sin is progressive. One evil propensity or act leads to another. He who acts by bad counsel may soon do evil deeds, and he who abandons himself to evil doings may end his life in total apostasy from God. This next section walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly have counsel, and the righteous man will not walk in it. With all the advice that comes to us from so many different sources, the righteous man knows how to stay away from the counsel of the ungodly. First, it means the righteous man knows how to discern the counsel of the ungodly. Many fail at this point. They do not even consider if counsel is godly or ungodly. They hear advice or theories about their problems and they find themselves agreeing or disagreeing without considering, is this godly or ungodly counsel? The righteous man is also discerning enough to know the counsel of the ungodly can come from one's own self. Our own conscience, our own mind, our own heart can give us ungodly counsel. The righteous man knows where to find completely godly counsel. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors, from Psalm 119.24. God's word is always the best counselor, and godly counselors will always bring the truth of God's word to help someone who wants counseling. This next section, nor stands in the path of sinners. Sinners have a path where they stand, and the righteous man knows he does not belong on that path. Path speaks of a way, a road, a direction, and the righteous man is not traveling in the same direction as sinners. The righteous man is not afraid to take a less traveled road because he knows it leads to blessing, happiness, and eternal life. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. That's from Matthew seven thirteen. The righteous can have the confidence of Psalm 16:11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God has a path, and it is a good road to take. The next section, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The scornful love to sit and criticize the people of God and the things of God. The righteous man will not sit in that seat. When others are putting down Christians, it is easy to sit with them and criticize them. It is easy because there are many things to criticize about Christians. But it is wrong because we are then sitting in the seat of the scornful. Instead, we should be proud to follow Jesus Christ. Be out and out for him. Unfurl your colors. Never hide them, but nail them to the mast and say to all who ridicule the saints, if you have any ill words for the followers of Christ, pour them out upon me. But know this, ye shall hear it whether you like it or not. I love Christ. This next section, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, 
Throughout Psalms, the phrase, in the law of the Lord, is used to describe God's entire word, not only the law portion of the first five books of the Bible. The righteous man is delighted with the word of God. What makes you happy? What gets you excited? This is a good way to see what is important to you. If personal pleasure is the only thing that makes you happy, then you are a selfish, self-centered person. If being with your family or friends delights you, that can be better, but it still falls short. The righteous man finds his delight in the law of the Lord. Martin Luther said that he could not live in paradise without the word of God, but he could live well enough in hell with it. Man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart was never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best things, it will be filled with unworthy and disappointing. If a person delights in something, you don't have to beg him to do it or to like it. He will do it all by himself. You can measure your delight for the word of God by how much you hunger for it. This next section, in his law, he meditates day and night. The righteous man ponders the word of God. He does not just hear it and forget it. He thinks about it. Christians should meditate on God's word. In the Eastern meditation, the goal is to empty the mind. This is dangerous because an empty mind may present an open invitation to deception or a demonic spirit. But in Christian meditation, the goal is to fill your mind with the word of God. This can be done by carefully thinking about each word and phrase, applying it to oneself and praying it back to the Lord. Meditation chews the cud and gets the sweetness and nutritive virtue of the word into the heart and life. This is the way the godly bring forth much fruit. Many lack because they only read and do not meditate. It is not only the reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on it and digesting it. A preacher once told me that he had read the Bible through 20 times on his knees and had never found the doctrine of election there. Very likely not. It is a most uncomfortable position in which to read. If he had sat in an easy chair, he would have been better able to understand it. And that's coming from Spurgeon. The righteous man only has God's word on his mind two times a day, day and night. That about covers it all. This next section, how the righteous man is blessed. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So this part, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree by a river has a continual source of water. It will never wither away, because it is always getting what it needs. If we are constantly needy, it may be worth examining if we are planted by the rivers of water or not. This would also be a tree that is strong and stable, sinking down deep roots. The life of the righteous man is marked by strength and stability. The next section, that brings forth its fruit in its season. The righteous man bears fruit, such as the fruit of the Spirit, from Galatians 5 verses 22 to 
23, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit comes naturally from this tree because it is planted by the rivers of water. It is abiding in a life source. As Jesus spoke of bearing fruit in John fifteen five, as we abide in him. Fruit also has a season. Some get discouraged when they begin to walk as righteous men, and fruit is not immediately evident. They need to wait until they bring forth fruit in its season. There are no barren fruits in God's orchard, and yet they may have their fits of barrenness, as an apple tree sometimes hath, but they will flourish with advantage. The next section, whose leaf also shall not wither. Brown, dead, withered leaves are signs of death and dryness. The righteous man does not have these signs of death and dryness. His leaves are green and alive. The next section, and whatever he does shall prosper. It isn't that the righteous man has a Midas touch, and everything he does makes him rich and comfortable, but in the life of the righteous man, God brings forth something good and wonderful out of everything. Even tough circumstances bring forth something that shall prosper. The next section, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The part, the ungodly are not so. Everything true about the righteous man, stable as a tree, continual life and nourishment, fruitful, alive, and prosperous, is not so regarding the ungodly. It may often seem like the ungodly have these things, and sometimes it seems they have more than the righteous, but it is not so. Any of these things are fleeting in the life of the ungodly. It can be said that they don't really have them at all. The next part are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Chaff is the light shell around a kernel of grain, which must be stripped away before the kernel can be ground into flour. Chaff was light enough that it could be separated from the grain by throwing a scoopful in the wind and letting the wind drive away the chaff. This is how unstable, how lacking in substance the ungodly are. This is what Spurgeon had to say on Schaff. Intrinsically worthless, dead, unserviceable, without substance, and easily carried away. There is a huge difference between a tree and chaff. This next part, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners on the congregation of the righteous. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, because the ungodly have no weight. They will be found lacking on the day of judgment, as it was said of King Belshazzar in the book of Daniel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. This is true in the future because sinners will not share the same glorious future of the righteous. It is also true in the present because sinners sense they do not belong in the congregation of the righteous if they insist on remaining sinners. 
And then the last section here, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The righteous can have peace because a loving God in heaven knows their way and will protect and preserve them. Or as the Hebrew has it yet more fully, the Lord is knowing the way of the righteous. He is constantly looking on their way, and though it may be often in mist or darkness, yet the Lord knoweth it. The way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly leads to destruction. They are on a broad path that may seem comfortable now, and the path gives them lots of company. But in the end, they shall perish. At least four times in the book of Acts, Christianity is called the way. Certainly, it is the way of the righteous, not the way of the ungodly. Which way are you on? That was such a good article. I really loved reading that. And I love that it referenced the fruits of the Spirit so that we could lay out everything that we've been praying for and that we ask God to help us bear. That is all the time that I have for today. I hope that you guys enjoyed this passage. And till next time.